Well, welcome back to the Multipod. My name's Ted, and I'll be your co-host today. With me is Vanessa. Hello, everybody. And we are very pleased to have a special guest with us today, Sonia da Vega from Portugal. Did I say nice. that right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Great. So uh, Sonia and I were chatting oh, a week or so ago about um, some ideas for coming on this show. Uh, you've been, well, let me see here. You've been in the putty verse for... Oh, coming up on a year, I guess, as it was back in April of 2020 that uh, that you joined. And um, so in that time, you've had time to, you know, get to know some people and get involved. And uh, we see your name pop up quite often. So a great time to get you on this show and get to know you a bit better. So first off, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And what we'd like to do today is um, you've got this great kind of career life arc of the various, uh, the progressive path, I guess, from, let's say, your your education and, and the initial career profession you had to where you are now. So we thought we'd kind of trace that journey for ourselves and for our audience and, um, yeah, have fun, of course, in learning about that journey. And, and I'm sure many of us will see how we can relate to that as well, which is always nice. So first off, so you are in, in Portugal. You were born and raised there, I guess. Um, whereabouts in Portugal? Well, I was born in Porto, which is on the coast. Then uh, I started working as a vet in the south, in the Algarve. Then I moved to Coimbra in the center where I had a vet clinic with my husband. And now we've moved further inland near the mountains where we have a homestead. So we've been, according to Portuguese standards, all over. Because for Portuguese people, like 50 kilometers is like very far away. So, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, uh, I'm German and it's the same thing in Germany. <laughs> it's like nobody ever moves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, for instance, I have a Brazilian friend that when she says, Oh, I need to go and visit you. Okay. So you're coming like for two days. Oh, no, I'll go in the morning and then I'll be back at the end of the day. So she travels three hours. She comes here. She stays during the day and then she goes back. And I'm like, No Portuguese people would do this. Like, a Portuguese person would never, ever do this. They would like stay for the night <laughs> and then go. <laughs> yeah. Totally That's different. So funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating, of course, and here the Canadian or American perspective is that, uh, as you say, we, we travel so much and to, to go visit family that's three or four hours away, maybe not in one day, but at least in a weekend, yeah. Yeah, it's nothing. It's amazing the distances. Now, have you lived anywhere else or spent time anywhere else besides Portugal? I've spent time in Ithaca when I did an externship in Cornell, in the college there. It nice. was really awesome. I totally fell in love with it. It's, I don't know, it was really cool. And then seeing Niagara Falls was really awesome as well. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't the winter, but it was really, really spectacular. And it gave us a perspective of the distances, because, like, in the map, it looks so far away, but for American people, like, everything is so close. Like, it was a really cool experience, and it gave us a lot of perspective as well, yeah. It was during the summer, not the winter, so I'm not sure I would live there during the winter. What are winters like where you are in Portugal? Oh, right now, really, really cold. Like, I have the hot tea and the blankets because we're in the negatives, well, Celsius negatives. Uh, I know um, Ted was hopefully going, well, he said that he might want to touch on homeschooling, so it's, since you brought it up... Um, How's that going? I mean, for you, I would think that 
lockdown homeschooling is not actually that different. Like, I guess it means that you can't, like you said, go out maybe to the aquarium or to the park as much or whatever you like to do during the day with your kids. But but how is that looking for you? Meant that while everybody was going crazy in their houses, we were like doing stuff in the farm or in the woods and Mm -hmm. we were really having fun (laughs) while everyone else was stressing out. So, yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear a lot of people say, oh, you're so lucky to have that. When those people like criticized us when we did the, 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 the life change thing. Because when you're a vet, you have a vet clinic and everybody thinks, oh, you're both vets, so nice, so successful and stuff like that. And then if you say, we're going to move to the countryside because we want to spend time with the kids. We want to homeschool them. We want to have <laughs> That's a lovely, farm. And we want to live uh, what, we eat, what we grow and stuff like that. People called us crazy. Yeah, <laughs> the very least. <laughs> that makes me wonder with your vet practice, how that changed uh, when you did decide to move out of the city. We totally went sabbatical on it. Right now, we just have the farm animals and that's okay. it. And we are really focusing on making the farm the sustainable and working with it in permaculture way, meaning like working with nature and not trying to force it to, to do what okay. we want. We're trying to keep the ecosystems around alive and try to bring in um, trees that are natural and really bring bio- biodiversity here. We want to create a food forest and stuff like that. And... The kids also enjoy that because, like, seeing squirrels and everything when we grow up in the city is not normal. <laughs> so, really, even squirrels <laughs> are not normal in the city. Yeah, like, no, because we're. I mean, in here in Portugal, squirrels are not that usual in cities because mm-hmm. we do not have like we have some big parks, but other than that, it's not usual to see them. So when you come That's to the countryside, yeah, when you come to the countryside and you find squirrels, it's like <gasps> awesome. It is I used to work with Japanese students who would come over to Canada for a semester for like an exchange, basically, and they saw squirrels and they were fascinated by them and they would take pictures of them. And we were like, these are so normal for us to see squirrels, right? Like, yeah, the first time I saw a squirrel was in the United States. In Italy. Oh, yeah. Like, That's so funny. First time I saw a squirrel. It, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. That's Yeah. I love that. I love hearing about those kinds of things, like just sort of the very, very small differences between the different countries is really interesting. Anyway, so that's really cool. I, uh, wow, I'm feeling inspired. (laughs) I've always thought it would be cool to have a farm. And I know it's a lot of work, but uh, I don't think my husband is super keen on the idea. So (laughs) don't know if that'll happen. It is. It is a lot of work. And it is. It's it's different when you Mm -hmm. go from having your own schedules to having the schedules that the weather brings you and the different mm. se- seasons bring you like it's 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 just so getting in tune with the rhythms of nature is totally different than having to go by the clock like we don't usually wear clocks unless we have like oh you're having an online class in like two hours we need to just check the clock so do we, we don't forget right do you ever think about how long it can last do you see it as an indefinite project a lifelong thing or do you kind of take it a step at a time we always take everything a step at a time because both me and my husband we know nothing lasts forever so uh-huh. um 
I mean, we when we were in college, all the colleagues were like, oh, we're going to get a job. We're going to be in that job forever. And we looked at each other like, what? No, please. Job forever for life? Are you crazy? No, that never made sense for us. And then going through the steps and the different motions, like working for someone and having your own job, then it gives you different perspectives. So this for now is totally working for us. We're still building the farm as we want it. And that's a whole bunch of work. So we have work for like years, especially with the kids, because everything goes slower if you have the kids and you're homeschooling the kids, like three kids being homeschooled, that takes a little bit of time. So it's, it's different. They like, they really like being a part of it. They really like learning and experimenting and finding salamanders and frogs and seeing the different kind of birds and everything. It's it's something that I had a bit when I went to my grandparents' house when I was younger. Like, we would go to the village in the summer and we would see, like, all the animals there. So now the kids have... Have they have been in the city, especially not the little one, but the older ones they do. So they know the difference and they really like it here. How old are your kids? Uh the older one is fourteen, going on fifteen, and the other one is twelve, and the little one is four. She was born here already. Yeah. We live here for six going on seven years, yeah. So what brought you to make this change, a big change from pursuing a veterinarian career to suddenly moving out to a homestead? Do you still do some of the veterinary work or did you leave that behind completely? No, just just our animals, yeah. at least for now. Yeah. I mean, we... But it's very useful to have that background if you have yeah, animals on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> Although all the animals are different and we always have like look everything up. But yeah, it is... It is easier to get the meds at least if we something so and we know who to talk to but it was something it, it's really hard being uh, a vet couple and having kids because vets work 24 7 the whole year round we have the emergencies we have mm. so much it's a really people sometimes don't think about it but it's it's really taxing job because you need to talk to the owners, take care of the animals. You have mm. that pressure of always like saving the lives and keeping everything, having everyone healthy and you cannot let the animals yeah. have something that can go to the owner and vice versa. It's, well, it, it, it takes a little bit of management. And then having all that and the kids and I mostly, I was the one that stayed with the kids while they were small and then my husband didn't have a lot of time to be with them. And like if we were hanging out in the weekend, the phone would ring and we'd have to go back because he had to go and check an animal and stuff. So it was really heavy. And is that something that kind of helped you to make that decision yeah. to kind of go out of the city? Yeah. And yeah, We tried to look for alternatives like having uh, a little house for the weekends and stuff like that, but we didn't, couldn't afford it. Mm. So it was either like leave everything behind uh, or not have enough money to do whatever and just be stuck there. So we had to, mm. it took us years of thinking, but then when things started to be a bit complicated at school for our oldest one, because the teacher didn't like the fact that he asked questions or he argued the, the things that were being lectured and it was really complicated. She got to a point where she said, maybe you should go to the school psychologist. I mean, I'm not saying he should be medicated, but maybe, and I'm like, 
I don't like where this is going. So everything together, like, okay, homesteading, homeschooling makes total sense. And we tried it. It worked. <laughs> and we stuck to it. And until the kids tell us, we want no more, we want to go back to school or anything like that. like Because it is a different way for them to learn. They get to learn in ways that make sense to them. They get to learn stuff they like, like totally extracurricular. Mm. We, we need to go by the curriculum, the national curriculum here. But then they can learn whatever they want extra. They can do loads of stuff. They can build stuff. They can... So we have room for everything. We have like a trampoline and stuff like that. So it's really cool to be able to give that to the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about like uh, social interaction? Do they have other friends around and, and kids they can play with? I know that's always a thing. <laughs> it's the main question, but they do. And not only do they have like music and dance and horseback riding and stuff like that where they meet other kids, they also had swimming and everything, but... Thanks to COVID, COVID, no, nothing this year. But not only do they see other kids like that, but we also go around a lot. So they they do not only talk to kids, but they talk to grown-ups as well, which is not as normal. Yeah. Because usually kids are able to talk to people their own age at school. And then when you go home, you just have like the weekends. Because at least here in Portugal, it, you have school from uh, 8 to 7. So 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's really long. They work five days a week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is a bit heavy. So I, 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 there are a lot of adults that don't work as many hours as the kid at school. So it is interesting. And um, when we go to maybe we need to go shopping or we need to go to the city hall to talk about something. If we need to go both adults, we need to take the kids with us. So, mm -hmm. like, the whole pack goes. Mm -hmm. And the, the, every adult is like, why are you here? Why are you not at school? I mean, people are not used to seeing the kids outside of school. Like, at those working hours, no kids allowed, almost. So, it is interesting because they can talk to adults. They can huh. yeah, communicate. And, for instance, if we have to wait somewhere, they're not hooked on their phones talking to their friends yep. on text messages. They, like, talk to people. They ask questions. And it's totally different. It's a different experience. And it, it's been going going well for the adults as well. <laughs> so no complaints yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I can totally relate to this in some ways. I wasn't homeschooled, but I went to a school that I've talked about on this podcast many times. Uh, a democratic school that was, um, you know, totally self-run. The kids... The teach the sorry the staff we didn't call them teachers the staff members wouldn't come to the kids and say it's time for this except for under some very certain circumstances and um, it was the same thing we had an open campus policy so me being an older kid as we used to say we say like, older middle and younger kids um, so like being an older kid I would often go off campus with the younger kids and people would just look at us like we were so weird <laughs> because at school it's ten a.m shouldn't these kids be in school? And I'm like, they are in school. <laughs> so, yeah. You get to learn so much when you're out of school because in school you need to yeah. imagine you're out there, what you need to do, what you see. And here's an experiment. I brought a flower for you. Woo and like, yeah, kids can, ex can experience that outside. But for instance, right now here in Portugal, the way the education system is, is working 
for a teacher to be able to go outside with these kids, they need to fill a lot of papers. They need to uh, fill reports when they come back. You need to pay the insurance. You need to prepare so much that it's really mm. hard to have it like in the moment. Honestly, I think we're doing a good job, and I hope. Yeah, I hope the kids. The kids are enjoying it. They have good grades because here in Portugal, at the end of each cycle of studies, they have exams, so they have good grades. Yeah. So this year, both of them are having exams. So hopefully, fingers crossed, everything will go well. Awesome. Well, it'll be a lifelong impression for them. You know, they'll never forget it. It'll always be part of their subconscious, if not more. Uh, my sister uh, and her kids were homeschooled. They lived in a remote island up until they were around fifteen or so, sixteen. They only did. They only actually went into school for the last couple of years of high school, and uh, at which point they were ready and they really thrived in that environment. In the end, it was all kinds of programs and arts and the structure and the facilities and stuff. Yeah. That was cool. But up to that point, like they were really happy to, and they kind of resisted it for a long time. It was a bit of a psychological hurdle. But um, I think in the end, and they would, I'm sure, say this, that it was nice to have a bit of both, you know, mostly homeschooled, but to have a bit of the structured school in the end once they were a bit older. It was a nice mix, but man, that'll stay with them forever, just having that experience of growing up, um, you know, living in the forest and, uh, mm-hmm. and where they did and, and just that whole environment and the kind of flexibility, the whole different approach to the, how you spend your time, right? And Yeah, and I bet your, your nieces and nephews, they are... They like to learn and they know how to get yeah. the information. Usually that doesn't happen in school because like information is given to you. So usually that's mm-hmm. the difference between homeschoolers and kids at school. The homeschoolers like to look for the information. They like to learn because every time my kids go to the exams, it's the first thing the teachers tell us. Okay, keep, you're doing a great job. They like learning. They like to, to the, 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 the curriculum and everything. Keep doing what you're doing because it's working. I love because that. They enjoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they enjoy they enjoy looking for the information. Oh, this is interesting. Can I Google it? Google it. Like we have tons of books. We, our house looks like a, a library, <laughs> so we have tons of books. We have the. Oh, that's my problem too. Yeah, me too. We're working working on more shelving for more books, but I'm forbidden to bring more books home until we get more shelving. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting to see that, for instance. I always liked learning, always. Like ever since I was a little girl, if someone has something to teach me, I'm there, please teach me. I'll ask why, how, when, whatever. And I didn't see that much in my other friends at school and everything, but I see that Mm -hmm. in my kids. Like for instance, if we have someone that comes to the farm to do some construction work or whatever, they will be there. They will look and they will ask and they will know. And I mean... Talking about gadgets, my oldest one is totally crazy about everything, mechanical engineering, coding, whatever. Nice. So every time someone comes here with a machine, he's all over them. Like, oh, that this work, how much power does it have? And then all of a sudden, I'm listening to a conversation I don't get because they are talking totally professional, <laughs> small things. It's like listening to a couple of aliens talk about alien things because they are totally into it. And they get, oh, your son is really smart. And I'm like, cool. Keep it going because they, they like things and when they like and they're interested. And that's, awesome. that's what drives us to keep it going, at least for the moment, to see that thing in them, that spark that's there. We don't want to see it go away. So as long as they have it and they want it, we're here for them. And let's talk about languages, too, because, well, Sonia, your English is impeccable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And do your kids get some other language exposure as well? Not necessarily English, but other languages? Yeah, they do. They, well, at school, they need to have, when they're in middle school, they need to have one foreign language and they both choose, chose English. And then going into high school, they need to choose another one. And my oldest has chosen Spanish. Here in Portugal, we have something that is different from other countries like Spain or Brazil, uh, where if a, f a movie goes into TV, it's not doubled. I mean, we don't, we, we hear the original voices and we just have subtitles. Unless it's like an animation movie for the little ones, then everybody needs to like have Portuguese voices. But other than that, we listen to the originals. So it's easier for us to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's awesome. And English, like, we have loads of English and German people living here, and uh, usually mm. people speak in English. So it is easier for us to pick it up. So there's always exposure. And we know a lot of um, uh, foreign people that live around here, and the kids have this thing of wanting to learn English because usually me and my husband, we speak in English when we don't want them to listen. To understand. So now that they understand, we just use English for the little one and we're trying to figure something else out so nice. that the older ones don't <laughs> get funny. it. So they had that extra motivation, like, what are they saying? They're talking about us. What can we not hear? So, But it is fun to know different languages. I really like it. Tell us a little bit about the difference between Portuguese, Portuguese in Portugal and in Brazil, because I know there's quite <laughs> some quite differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Brazilian Portuguese is so much nicer because it's so much. <laughs> it is a lot of times Portuguese. When, uh, for instance, when we were in Ithaca, we were talking Portuguese. Me and my husband we were talking Portuguese in the bus. All of a sudden, this kid turns to her, uh, to the mother and says, "They are Russian." And I'm like, "Russian?" <laughs> like we're talking Portuguese, and he says we're Russian. Like. What the? And then we were trying to figure it out, and it does sound a little bit like Russian. It is really rude compared to Brazil, mm -hmm. because in Brazil, they sing it and they don't close the vowels as much. Everything is opened. They don't have the R's and the S's and the X's so strict. It, it's really flowy. And the way they set up the grammar, hmm. it's also easier, because even if you get... The females and the males wrong, like the gender of the words wrong. In Brazil, it doesn't make that much difference. In Portuguese, it it stands out. So it's really, if you want to learn Portuguese, go the Brazilian way, please. So much easier. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. My cousin married a woman from Brazil, so I do get exposed to. I hear it every once in a while. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> I've always wondered about the differences as well, because I don't know Portuguese at all. But uh, I think if you put the two together, like side by side, I might not see a difference. I don't know. But I also love languages. So I may be able to see a difference. Yeah. But yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, I, I needed to learn Brazilian Portuguese because I was working for a while with the Brazilian uh, team. And I had to work, like, learn how to write it and how to say it. Because it is different, and sometimes people will not understand you. So mm. Portuguese people understand Brazilians, not the other way around. So if you need to learn something, learn Brazilian Portuguese. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a good segue awesome. into the, the maybe the final part of the puzzle here, which is your virtual assistant work or remote yeah. work. 
And how have you managed to put all that together along with your homesteading and homeschooling? And uh, how, do, how do you balance the time and, and finding just the, the means to, to put all that together? What kind of work do you do? Well, that was actually the part that gave us some security on giving the jump for the change. Like, we're going to live in a farm, but how will we make money? And I was, at the time, getting my coaching certification done, so training done. So I was like, okay, I can remote work as a coach. And then I started doing the coaching sessions. But mostly, like, that's so sporadic that I started working as a remote, uh, as a virtual assistant, because, like, it's easier to have a steady income. And since you work online, you can work with any country, anywhere, as long as you can speak the language. So, um, started with Portuguese, went to uh, English to the United States, and then it was an, I got from one side to the other one, from one team to, the, to another one, and then I was working with Brazilian people and French people and Spanish people, people from all over, and it was really, really interesting to see that I could be the bridge between the different people in the team because I spoke almost all the languages. And although it was really like crude in some of them, <laughs> at least I could manage to say some words. And it was really interesting to be able to be in the homestead, in the farm, like away from everything else and have this little foot on one country, on the other side of the Atlantic and on another mm. country and know a lot of people from different places. And that keeps me sane person-wise, <laughs> like I can see different people. I can, yes. I can talk to the neighbors here, but at the same time, I can be talking to someone else in Germany or with the Putty tribe. I like, I've, I've been talking to people in Australia and stuff like that. So it's really, it's really awesome. You can, yeah. it's the best thing because you can do it in different times because usually time zones are different. So I can work in the farm and then at the end of the day, I would work some, on, on the remote work I had to do. So it was easier to balance. At the same time, I also was a bit sick. I had a, a chronic disease. I, ha I have endometriosis and I was getting sicker. So as I could do as much in the farm, the remote work was my way of contributing and bringing the, the bread to the house. So it was really interesting. And it's, even if it's not the, the steadiest thing in the world, it is interesting to, for instance, be working as a coach and like see people achieve their goals because you get ideas for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like when people say, oh, now I'm going to start doing this. And a friend of mine is going to start creating plants and selling the plants. I'm like, hmm, creating plants. Let's see how I can do that. So now my porch is filled with little pots with a whole bunch of plants that will go into the forest. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting because it's a way to balance the being in a rural environment. Although this is a small town, but it's not that excluded. I get to be around a lot of different people and the kids as well, because a lot of the times they will want to know what I'm talking to. I will share the information and sometimes they have kids that can relate and talk to one, one another. And it's really interesting. It's, again, another thing that being homeschooled they have mm -hmm. because they don't get tired of the computer or the whatever and like, oh, I don't want to know. I want to do my thing. No, they want to be part of our things, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like we all have parts of our lives that overlap, obviously, but I'm finding through you talking that there's so much overlap between the different parts of your life, which is really cool. Yeah. To me, it had, it had to be like this because 
everything in life to me has to feel like a good puzzle. The, the pieces need to fit in one each other, you know, like the mind maps where things need to relate totally to uh, one another. And in our lives, we get to do that. And we are choosing a path, which is not very common, but we have done it and we're still doing it. And as long as it works, well, if something needs to be adjusted, we will adjust. Like, we are multipods, we can do anything. So. <laughs> multipods can be, of course, so different from each other because there were multipods. There's so many different types of multipods, I guess. But it's interesting. You're saying, I like to have things really connected in my life. And other multipods are like, doesn't really matter to me. If my interests connect, great. If they don't, great. And some people are like, my interests don't have to connect at all. Does not matter. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. Even within the multi-potentialite sphere, we can be multi-potentialites. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's super interesting. Well, before we, uh, before we wrap up, I mean, do you feel then, I guess, content with how things are for you now? The balance of, of work and, and interests, hobbies, and all the things that you have juggling. But uh, do you feel kind of content with uh, how you've gotten your life set up to where it is right now? Yeah, right now, job-wise, since, uh, like, March last year or even before, job-wise, it's really slower because I, since I was sick, I needed to really recover. So right now, I'm starting to get the momentum back, I hope. Uh, but it is more the fact that we are living according to what feels right right now and to we are each to ourselves and we are really trying to build everything so it can have the back-end vibe. And as well as that, I am content. Uh, having the tribe is really awesome because I can like get into computer and be miles away for a, an hour or two, and then just go back in the house and then be with the kids and mm -hmm. share the experience with them. And I think it helps grow our world, even though we're in our small farm. And they know that although they are in a rural environment right now they are part of a big, big, bigger picture. And to me, that is really important. So yeah, I'm really happy that we have this life right now. And everything makes sense right now. So oh, that's nice. Well, that's, that's great. That's inspiring. And it's great to hear your story. Hopefully, we'll talk to you again. Of course, you're welcome anytime. We, uh, I've, we've been chatting as part of the new entrepreneurs group in the Puttyverse. So you can certainly find Sonia there and um, amongst other places. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show. Yeah, it's been really lovely to talk to you, and I, we would love to have you back. Maybe we can drill down, narrow down a little bit on some of the things we talked about. I've always dreamt of being a guest to a, of a podcast, so if yeah. you want me multiple times, <laughs> ooh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So thank you, Sonia. It was great to hear your story. And I had a feeling it would be something quite inspiring to hear how you got from there to where you are here, all the steps along the way, and some tough decisions for sure, some some real kind of uh, turning points where, where you guys had to, to make those big decisions. And uh, that that's inspiring in itself to all of us who, who face those crossroads and uh, and have to make a big choice. But super glad for you that it's it's working out. 
and that uh, you guys are happy and content. I mean, I think that's what we're all after at the end of the day. So um, kudos to you. And yeah, for sure. I, I really hope we'll talk to you again. And hopefully next time it will sound a bit clearer. So apologies for the audio. This doesn't usually happen on the Multipod. But we tried a new uh, recording program, one of these online things, and eh, it didn't work quite as well as I was hoping. So I did my best to clean it up. But um, you know what? That means we'll just make sure to get Sonia back on the show, and it'll sound nice and clear and really uh, dig even deeper into some of her story. Now, I've got some putty peeps of the week that I'd love to share with you from this past month. We'll start with Thomas P. He is currently into quantum physics, shamanism, and design of all kinds. Thomas is in Tallinn in uh, Estonia, but he's also lived in France, Italy, Peru for one month, Russia, and uh, now Estonia. Thomas is a new and happy dad since last year, since July of 2020. So big, big congratulations. He has a master's degree in mechanical engineering um, and has worked as a fab lab operator and scientific workshops leader from 2018 to 2020. He's the founder of Somha Sport, S-O-M-H-A Sport, which is a service helping disabled people practicing sports. He talks about recently finding again some of his childhood passions, like drawing on paper or on computer with pixel art, and uh, reading science fiction too. Some of his other interests include painting like watercolors and oil, pastel, uh, photography, 3D printing, woodworking, bookbinding, but also yoga, meditation, biking, climbing, and Greek mythology. So you can find Thomas on Instagram at palopoly underscore art, P-A-L-O-P-O-L-I underscore A-R-T on Instagram, and uh, check out some of his work there. And uh, feel free to send him a message uh, through the Puttyverse. So that's Thomas underscore P. He is our first Putty Peep of the week. Second of all, we have a repeat Putty Peep, and it's my friend Annie, Annie Sisson, who is currently into building hope and communities, becoming a cheetah, and all things entrepreneurship. So this is a big theme for her and us, really, over the last month or so. She's uh, kicked off our new entrepreneurs group in the Puttyverse. You've heard us talk about it quite a bit here over the past month. And uh, it's thanks to her that we, we got that going and, and got a whole number of people now into that group and starting to build up some uh, good practices, good routines and regular meetings and stuff like that. So uh, that's is really a back to her initiative that we have that going. Thanks to you very much, Annie. Now, Annie lives in Utah, just outside of Salt Lake City. She's also lived in Bismarck, North Dakota, but mainly she is a traveler and she'll tell you how much travel has changed her life and has impacted so many of her decisions and, and choices. A big one, of course, which was launching her business just over a year or so ago now, which initially was more focused on travel. And nowadays it's more on the empowering women and helping women to find their voice, discover the life they want and the resources to help them get there. So it's a bit of community building and business support, coaching, and things like that. It's called Into the Bold, and you can find uh, her there. She's got a great new website, intothebold.com. And also on Instagram, too, the same uh, same name, Into the Bold. You can find her on Instagram. So her interests and passions are wide-ranging, of course, Beyond the uh, entrepreneurship and women's issues and personal development and the travel, there's also, uh, she has a, an interest in, in systems and processes and data analysis, graphic design, education, and puppies, for starters. <laughs> 
But she has a great quote for you. I'll leave you with this. She says, um, her, her various passions and ideas and so on, they all came together after finally seeing my multipotentiality as a superpower rather than something to be overcome. It's such a great way of looking at it. So Annie's around. Uh, you've probably seen her post lots, of course, on the Puttyverse in the forum and so on. So feel free to reach out. She she loves uh, getting to know people. She's a, a great coordinator and group leader and a very well-deserving Putty Peep of the week. Okay, I've got one more person for you, and this is a fellow Canadian. Susan Abbott is our third Putty Peep of the week. She is currently into writing a book, selling art, and smooshing things together. So Susan is in uh, Toronto, not too far from me, but she's also been, uh, well, she's has a variety of places in Canada, also Calgary, London, Ontario, Kingston, which is uh, much closer to where I am. It's only a couple hours away. And then uh, out in the prairies, uh, Olds and Regina, Saskatchewan, and then back to Sarnia, which is in uh, southwestern Ontario. So uh, bouncing around a, a fair bit, as many of us Canadians do. We haven't met, but uh, she's not far away compared to most of the people in the in this community. So maybe we will be able to, to get in touch before too long. So one of her big challenges these days is how to integrate things together, essentially, because she has multiple websites, Twitter handles, and so on. And yeah, she wants, I suppose, a kind of a common brand or, you know, a common identity that can link things together. That's why she talks about smooshing these things, because, of course, lots of different interests and projects and activities from doing some writing and her artwork. And even then on a whole number of different topics like uh, travel and outdoor activities. Well, she is writing a book. It's a nonfiction book called Reinventing Act 3. She's got 20,000 words done so far and, and half a proposal, she says. But she needs a website for that, an agent, a publisher, a finished proposal, and a finished manuscript. To help her do some of that, at least get in the mindset, she's working on the New York Times crosswords and learning to construct crosswords herself. That sounds pretty cool. Susan has been a successful business executive and a consultant with an MBA, and she did have her own business for about 20 years, she says, um, in consulting, qualitative research, facilitation, creativity, kind of merging all those things together. And she says it was a joyous way to make a living, um, kind of like a, a group hug type of role that she played. Um, so she she said she liked doing it, but it was time for a change and, you know, have a different schedule, a bit more flexibility in summers and stuff like that. Not to mention finishing her book and working on her artwork. So as I say, you, you can find Susan in a few places. There, For starters, there is abbottresearch.com, A-B-B-O-T-T, research.com, but also sgabbott.com. And on Instagram, it's Susanology. And on Facebook, Susan Paints. <laughs> And on Medium, she's there at Susan Abbott, all one word as well. But of course, beyond that, you can certainly reach out to Susan through the forum on the Puttyverse and uh, send her a message and maybe give her some uh, suggestions for a common name or a look for her, her website. And that's Susan, a.k.a. Susanology. She is our third Putty Peep of the week. Now, we're planning another episode coming up for you very soon, hopefully in within the next week, if not the next few days. We had a couple in the back burner, and uh, we had a great conversation not too long ago. Myself and Flo, we talked with Kat, who is originally from England, but she's currently living in a tiny house in the Dominican Republic with her partner there. 
She tells us all about life living in a tiny house. Now, first off, the downsizing part of it and getting into that position, and now living in a very small space, but in a beautiful uh, part of the world, of course, nice and tropical, nice and warm in the uh, Dominican Republic, where they generally live about half the year, and then they spend their summers in a, in a caravan kind of thing back in England. So really embracing that lifestyle. And it's, uh, again, a, a great, it's a great conversation full of inspiration and some practical advice if you're curious at all about how it works and how to go about it. So that'll be our next episode here on the Multipod coming up very soon within the next few days. Stay tuned for that. And stay tuned, as always, in your inbox in the Puttyverse, because you may certainly get a message from one of us asking you to come on this show. And we look forward to getting to know you. So thanks very much for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you again very soon. 